Hi, I'm Lucas James. And I'm Jordan Ross. And we're the co-hosts of How to Scale an Agency. After scaling our own agencies to over $185,000 per month in sales and working with agencies doing hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue like Hawk Media and Neil Patel, we've made this show to interview the top digital marketing agency owners and highlight the fastest ways to scale your agency. If you'd like to join the best digital marketing agency community on the planet and let us help you scale, go to agencygo.io to sign up today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale Your Agency. I'm on with Cooper Saunders. Uh, he is the best-selling author of a book, two books, and one is Marketing Secrets of the Ultra Wealthy. The other is Quit Competing, Start Dominating. Both are, or one is a national bestseller, and he launched Wise Guys Digital Marketing as well. Thank you so much for being on the show, Cooper. Thank you, Lucas. I appreciate the offer, and after listening to your previous shows, I, I really fell in love with you know, other digital marketing agencies helping one another, because I always say, you know, if there's a million digital marketers, then there's a hundred million business owners that need a good digital marketer. You know, there's plenty of people that claim to be good digital marketers, but at the end of the day, you know, you got to find people that are, are great at what they do. And yeah, hundred percent. Well, Break down for me the journey over the last seven years. Are you guys, how many customers do you currently work with right now? So we get some context. We've got seven locations across the United States and just a rough figure. We've got around 500 clients across all those locations. So I love it. And with those 500 clients, what's the average customer paying per month? You know, it's, again, it varies. You know, if I had to do a random, you know, without looking at the numbers, probably around 2,000, uh, 2,500. So, but that's a rough estimate, you know, it could be way off from that, but. Right. So you guys have cracked the eight figure a year mark or. Yeah, I think we're getting pretty close to that. You know, we taking it back to where we began. So I was a senior or a, a freshman in college and, mm. uh, my grandparents had a bike shop out in Florida and they called me up the hey Cooper, we have this bike shop, we're having trouble growing. Can you come out and help us, you know, for the summer, you can stay with us. And in Florida college kid, I was like, sure, you know, of course I'll come down. So I, I read a bunch of books, got to know digital marketing and there was just so much to learn. And it was a bit overwhelming. I was like, you know, this is tough for, you know, a business owner trying to run their business, also trying to learn all of this. It's probably you know one of those things where, okay, this is something that I think can can help with. So I went out, helped my grandparents grow, came back. You know, I really want to try and start this you know, digital marketing company. If it doesn't work after you know a year, six months, I don't hit a revenue goal. I'll go back to college. And they're like, for sure, that sounds great. And so launched Wise Guys Digital Marketing, and you know, I asked my dad, I was like, hey, how do you get clients? And I was like, well, I just pick up the phone and, and cold call. And I didn't know that that was something that wasn't okay. You know, like I had no yeah. idea that there's a stigma around cold calling. So I just yeah. picked up the phone and called one of the biggest developers in Kansas City. They said, yeah, sure, come in. And that was that. I love that. And do you still use cold calling as a way to drive a lot of revenue for your business? We don't. Um, really, it's all referrals. It's uh, just doing a good job and business owners know business owners. But I always say, you know, 
no one likes cold calling. No one really likes the sales aspect of it. But starting a company, especially digital marketing, you've got to, if you try to make sales easy, it's hard. But if you work hard in sales, it, it turns really out to be easy. And, you know, once you get that boulder pushing down that hill, then it'll start taking care of itself. But when you first start, it's hard to not get gritty with it and get really right. Um, you got to work your ass off, but then once you do get a couple clients, you do an amazing job, prove yourself, then, then, uh, you'll be good to go. I love it. And you know, one thing that is interesting about that is I've had a lot of people on the show. And when I ask them, you know, what are the main strategies that they're using to scale predominantly, I will say that for most of the agencies that are near past that eight figure mark or seven figure mark, they're crossing the eight figures. A lot of it has been because of outbound or they have an enormous inbound funnel. And I've seen some people strike the balance between both, but that's really when you start to talk like, you know, 50 to a hundred million is when you can nail both. But I'm curious, what was the thing that got you to where you're at now? Has it always been just referrals? Because I, I know that that's, it's sometimes difficult to, to scale to those numbers. I mean, it's been almost a hundred percent referrals or was it outbound up until a point and then you transitioned to referrals primarily? Running a lead generation campaign when you have something like a book is, is very helpful. It establishes you as the expert. And so going back to, you know, we'll do like, let's say we'll run a, you know, a Facebook ad with that lead generation. So I don't know if that's necessarily not outbound because you still have to call these leads. You still have to convert them. They're not just walking to our door with their credit card in their hand. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, you've got probably 50% referrals, other co companies saying, Hey, we've worked with X, you did a good job. And then probably 25%. Um, of that lead generation with the books and then 25% just solid networking, getting in the community, giving back whatever we can um, and saying, Hey, where do, and then just thinking, where do our target market hang out? You know, where right. do business owners that want to grow? Like what websites do they visit? What events do they go to getting really focused on, Hey, we help service-based businesses or healthcare is also very important. I love it. And one thing that I am also curious about, so you said that you, in that previous uh, story you gave, so you ended up not actually going to college. So you had those four years to build the business. Yeah. My parents are very, very, you know, academic and, and they're really big on college. And I said, well, you know, I saw this video, how Bill Gates was like, Hey, you know, I still will go to college if this micro, if this if computers just aren't what I think they are. And if you, no one uses a computer ever again, I'll go back to Harvard and I'll finish my four years. That's fine. But can you give me six months? Right. And just let, if, cause if I don't try, I think that that would have killed me. And I think that your know, time is most valuable asset. And I was like, I do not, I don't want to wait. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. But having, uh, and then they're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And uh, yeah, thankfully they, they rolled with it. I mean, I don't, I don't think I have to be a math genius to get to this conclusion. It sounds like you're probably like 25, 26. Is that correct? Yep, 25. That's crazy, man. So you spent the last seven years and you've been able to build what is essentially almost an eight-figure business during that time frame. That's crazy. It can't have all been easy. Can you describe to me some of the the difficulties that you've you faced getting to this point? I mean, it's amazing to see the growth, but I'm I'm, I'm sure there had to have been some challenges until you got there, right? Yeah, I mean, the only problems that I would ever have was whenever I would try to make things too easy or too complicated. You know, 
I would say that success leaves clues. And when you have a winning formula, it's only natural to try to improve it or alter it in some way. And so, you know, we've got a winning formula and I'll say, okay, if let's try this and let's try this. And so either I make it too complex and it's just, and it's just not working or it's not, it's too simple and it's not working. So I would say when you have a winning formula, hit it hard. And I think that's the only problems that I've ever had is right there. What is the winning, winning formula for you guys? I mean, what is that thing that uh, is working so well? Because, I mean, to put it in perspective, I mean, I, I, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've interviewed now uh, over 90, I think maybe over 100 people since July, all digital marketing agency owners. There has only been four, I think, of those that have cracked or gotten really close to that eight-figure mark. So statistically, it's a very small sample size of digital marketing agencies. So clearly, you figured out something. Or it could be that you've had seven years of compounding growth. And if anyone yeah. just something for seven years, they're going to get it to be large if they also have a lot of talent, which you do. So do you yeah. chalk it up mainly to just the compounding effect of seven years? Or do you actually feel like there's something that's completely different you guys are doing in the market that is just making it so different for you and enabling you to scale? I think that it's a lot to do with treating, of course, customers right and doing Let's say I come to you and I say, hey, Lucas, if you give me a dollar and I'll give you $10, would you do that? Well, of course. And then it's like, hey, then we look at it with marketing. If someone gives us a thousand, we give them 10,000 back. It's a good deal. And then it's adding more value to the marketplace than what you're taking. And I've always felt that no matter what, as long as we do that and we take care of our clients, we bring them value in return. That's the best way to go about it. And so- Keeping clients is the most important part. Everyone and everyone in business understands that you know, rather than going and trying to make new sales, it's all about keeping clients. So that's the right. biggest, one of the biggest formulas. And then also it's, you know, learning sales, knowing how to go out and network, not being scared to, because I'll meet with, with other digital marketers and I'm like, how are you trying to grow? And they're like, well, you know, we're doing this. I'm like, why don't you go out and cold call? Why don't you, you know, cold calling is something that has to be done in the beginning, definitely, but not forever. Um, why don't you go to networking events? Why don't you just get out and then know the community? And that's the biggest thing. It's nothing revolutionary. I mean, I'm sure everyone, and when I say that, like, that's stupidly dumb, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's true and it works, you know? Yeah. And for your agency, do you own it 100%? yourself or do you have a co-partner business partner with the business no it's a hundred percent mine so yeah that's crazy and with the growth sort of over time i think one thing that people get discouraged is they maybe see it and they don't think it's growing as fast as it could be or what have you and they give up right what was that growth over time i mean was it the like if you could break down for us maybe the first few years of growth uh, up until now like what it looked like on a revenue basis, because I always try to tell people that digital marketing agencies are one of the best ways to scale anything nowadays, because it's like predictable revenue. It's usually like subscription based and it's really easy to close new accounts. So, I mean, maybe break that down for us. Like what did the year over year growth look like year one, year two, year three, up until year seven? I was really blessed. Like I was saying earlier that I didn't know cold calling was frowned upon. So I would call with, you know, it's like the subconscious where I truly believe that I am just going to get in touch with the person that made the marketing decisions and they're going to love me and I'm going to, you know, call them and 
And so that was, I think it was, I was so naive, which is so, sometimes a good thing. Um, and so the first call I made, what I got an appointment and that company referred me to another company, but, um, and those two companies right there gave me enough capital to start expanding. But it's like that, uh, you know, if you double a penny every day, you know, eventually you'll end up with how much money, you know, for 30 days. And, you know, the first two or three years, you know, you'll, you'll hire people and it's like, oh, you know, that didn't work. Right. Yeah. The, the way you know, we bring on client, you know, uh, employees, that doesn't work. Let's try something new. And, you know, I was reading a book the other day. It's like how Thomas Edison finally got the light bulb invention. And he was like, well, I tried every single way that didn't work. I'm, I'm of course, I was going to end up on the one right way it did. So I think it's when you're growing, it's hard to be. It's, you think you're going to just get it. You're just like, oh, this is how I will hire new employees. And this is how I'll pay them. And this is how the client relationship should work. And I think it's a lot to do with, you know, if you get knocked down, you got to get back up because every single customer wants to be treated differently. That's the toughest part. So people can get a sense too. I mean, how many years did it take you to break six or seven figures? Like that first seven figure mark. That was three years. So, so after three years. Yeah. And so we were hitting glass ceilings around the, 500,000 mark a year. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we, we shoot above it and then drop right back down. I'm like, something's got to give. And it was just focused too much on, Hey, let's get new salesmen. Let's grow. Let's grow. And uh, you know, just turning internally and saying, okay, you know, if we bring on three clients and two leave, that's just not going to work. And it's ridiculous that it took three years for something. So something was so simple to register. 100%. Well, it's actually really interesting because that's the exact same. Well, that's why I love doing this because you see so many patterns and uh, it's yep. so encouraging for people. Like that was the exact same time it took our agency to break seven figures. We did 123 year one, 650 year two, and then 1.1 year three. Mm -hmm. And last year we did 1.7. And uh, I don't know, hopefully this year we can get to three. That's the goal. It's just like, it took us three years to get to that number. When were you able to double it? Like when were you able to get to that 2 million? Was like the next year or did it take a few years after that too to get to like double your agency? Yeah, so from then it was just really rapid growth, just finding people really, because once we hit that million dollar mark, it was very quick. I mean, we, yeah. we found our formula and then we just hit it hard. Right, I mean, you must've been able to scale closers because that's the one th i'm assuming right i mean you've yeah. Been able to scale. yeah that's the thing that's the key and that's the one thing i always try to tell people and it's it's remarkable to see that you've been able to do it it sounds like so you were able to scale closers uh how many people were you able to scale to close deals i mean do you have like a team of a number of different people closing now or yeah so i would say there's a massive difference between selling and closing right mm -hmm. anyone can sell but the closing is where you get the money in your pocket and for a long time there's a book that i read by i think his name's alex becker where he would he said you know if you get paid between eight to five p.m you know let's say five thousand dollars for every time you run a mile between eight to five you mm -hmm. wouldn't do anything between eight to five you get let's say your water ready at seven a.m you get shoes ready at six 
And so he said, whatever makes you money, whatever grows your company, do that during the time. So what I would do is I would set up, you know, like salesmen that would set me appointments yeah. to close. Right. So that was my biggest thing is where we've got only three closers. We've got a lot of salesmen that set up appointments, get things ready for us to just come in and sweep it up. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting to see. Uh, and do you have your closers prospecting too? Like now, the the sales reps that you have? Because I'm assuming you're not still doing that, right? Or are you still closing deals that uh, yeah. fuel the calendar? Yeah, so if we've got a, like a massive company that'll come in, I'll still meet with them and, and uh, close them. But you know, mostly it's those uh, other closers that get the, the job done these days. Hi, this is Lucas James. Are you struggling to get meetings booked with potential prospects for your agency? I'll tell you what, when I first started, I had the same issue, but I was able to A-B test hundreds of different variations of copy on multiple channels and figured out a secret formula to convert anyone from anywhere into taking a meeting with me. I've mastered this approach and now my agency, Twiz, books meetings on autopilot. Last year, we booked 1,731 meetings, closed 234 accounts, and generated $1.72 million in revenue. I want the same thing for your agency, so I've decided to give away some of my best performing outbound copy scripts for free. That's right, absolutely free. If you want to transform your business for free, go to agencygo.io forward slash leads to get your free lead scripts today. That's agencygo.io forward slash leads. Now back to the show. Wow, that's just that's just in, intense uh, that you've been able to do that. I mean, it's so cool because like the sooner you obviously start that compounding growth, I mean, it's just going to eventually become this massive thing. I mean, it already yeah. is statistically, but like it'll even get bigger. I mean, what are your aspirations with the company? What's the goal? Also going back to the, the point earlier, I think that people will say, you know, whenever it starts to compound and once it's like people assume that then all the problems that you'll have are just going to vanish. But that's, yeah. you know, you'll, you'll never get to a point where you're like, oh, you know, everything's going smooth. I'm happy. I'm completely satisfied. And it's sort of like enjoy the view, you know, the acres yeah. of diamonds type of situation, because if you blink just for a minute, you know, time flies by so fast doing this stuff. and so that's really important to, to understand is that, you know, once you do hit your stride, that doesn't mean that all your problems will be solved and, and, uh, and there still won't be tough days where you're like, Oh man, I don't know. That's very, that's very important to remember. Cause I'll have you know, other companies come in. It's like, yeah, I thought whenever I hit this, I'd be happy and we wouldn't have any problems. I'm like, yeah, that's, that'll never happen. I promise. <laughs> and I'm sure you understand that as well. Uh, yeah. Than anybody, you know, yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. I think like the, you know, even though we've been growing ever since we started, just like you have, I mean, I think it's interesting that like, there's your expectations, and then there's the reality. And, and I feel like yeah. the, you know, <laughs> I'll always have an expectation of this is the year we're going to hit $10 million a year. And uh, we're doing better this year than last year, which is great, but like, still not really on track for that 10, you know, so it's like, yeah. you're constantly trying to get to that new number. But sometimes, yeah, the reality is just not matching up with your expectations. So you just got to oh, keep yeah, going. Yeah, 100%. Yep. One thing that definitely seems clear is you mentioned the retention stuff. I mean, what is your yearly churn? Like if you get somebody in the door, 
because I'm assuming you're still closing SMBs. I'm assuming most of these are not enterprises. So how do you keep them for a long time? And like, what's your churn every year on like a client that comes to the door? Yeah. So again, with these numbers, I wish I would have done more research for you, but (laughs) based on the last meeting that we had, you know, if there's, I truly want to believe that every single client that we sign is going to stay right. I mean, that's, but you have to deal with the reality of that, you know, every, probably that every 10 clients that come in will keep seven for more than two years. You know, if I, I wish I could look at like the small business, just like isolate the small business, you know what I mean? Cause that's different yeah. than, um, because we'll have, you know, startups that will come on and, and you know, we're like, well, they're like, well, you know, you can tell if they're not really bad invested into it. And if it, and so, you know, if I had to take a random guess, just more of like the startup small business, that might be five out of 10 or something like six or seven, you know? I mean, I think the one thing that's just interesting about that though, is when you think of retention, I mean, like when I look at the website, obviously you guys do a lot of different things for people uh, and you yourself are such a, it seems like a credible person uh, with all the Mm -hmm. accolades and stuff. Seems like. (laughs) Is that, is that the, is that the reason people are staying? I mean, to be honest, like when I think of retention, I'm always thinking of it like from a, a unique thing in the marketplace that nobody else has. That's so good. That's providing so much value that they don't even ever want to leave, but you don't even have year long contracts. I see on the website, it says without year long contracts. I'm going to be honest, like it doesn't look like what you guys are doing or is anything different than what anyone else is doing. How are you able to keep it for so long? Like, what are you doing differently? (laughs) Yeah. It's all, it all goes back to that principle of you, you hand me $1, I'll hand you back 10 because at the end of the day, we as digital marketers are being paid to make other people more money. Right. And I think when, what we'll do is, is I think digital marketers will go to the business owner and say, you know, we can do this, we can do this, we can do that. Instead, we look at it as, okay, if you're a, let's say a plumber, I'm not going to come in and say, you need to allocate a bunch of money to, Facebook ads right off the bat. That's just something that's not going to bring in a plumber or their desired results. I'm going to say, okay, local SEO, reputation management, you know, local service ads are going to get some people in the door, pay-per-click. Then once we start making some money, once you, your business starts growing, then we can focus on different things, but becoming very hyper-focused. And that's what my second book is on is quick and start dominating. It's the focus marketing method to where, you do not want to be the jack of all trades in your industry. You know, you have to be very focused on what marketing avenues you use and what's your target market. And so that's sort of how we will be able to keep clients is that, you know, we'll have clients that have come to us and they're like, hey, we want to do some Facebook ads. And we're like, you know, that's not really what's going to bring you results. This is what's going to bring results and a lot of education too within that. So, right. It's just, it, it's, it all just seems too simple. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I, that's what I was saying earlier. It's just, we, we, we keep it very, very simple. And it's, and it's the, the principle of, you know, keep it simple, stupid. And if you, if you complicate it, that's why our website's yeah. so simple, because if you confuse, you lose people, you know? Yeah. Well, also talk to me about, I mean, how many meetings are you guys booking every single month? Like from that funnel you have, because one thing that I find interesting is like, 
you, it doesn't. So it, if, I'm, if I'm tracking your growth rate correctly, it took you three years to get to seven figures. It took mm-hmm. you half a year to double it to get to that yeah. run rate of 160. I don't know exactly where you're at now, but it sounds like you're around eight to $10 million a year. Did you see like a huge spike during COVID when you launched this book and saw like all these new leads come yeah. through or was it? You did. Okay. When COVID hit, a lot of the medium-sized companies got rid of like their marketing team. Let's face it, for example, they foreload them or, or just got rid of them. Well, whenever they did that, then they still needed a marketing company. They still needed marketing and they couldn't you know, rehire people or they just didn't want to deal with it. And, and so what we did was we're like, hey, you can get a whole marketing team, you know, grow your company, but you don't have to pay an employee salary. You don't have to pay 10 employees at you know, 80, 100 grand a year. You can just pay us and we'll take care of everything. It'll be like where you're in that. And if you see on our website, there's a chief marketing officer, chief marketing outsourced officer, right? And that's really the biggest thing that we've seen that really took off the growth was, you know, we'll see, you know, a company where it's like, hey, you know, I'll go in personally and hand them my books to, hey, if you, and, and you know, with, with COVID, that was a little bit harder, right? I would either call them and say, hey, I can send you my books. But that was another thing that really took off growth was blessing in disguise of COVID was that, that people got rid of their marketing team and they still needed marketing and they noticed that, hey, rather than hiring these marketing people back let's just outsource it yeah right and and do you i mean one thing that i i always look at when i look at what is i mean fast growth i mean you've been able to do this it sounds like self-funded yeah. right uh it doesn't yeah. sound like you had any outside capital injected into the company with that in mind i mean are you guys doing something different at least on the operational structure i know one thing that we've started doing which has helped us grow pretty quickly on our side is uh we kept getting these large accounts that we were closing with uh, really big companies for outbound lead generation, but they kept hiring us for, uh, we, we kept using US-based labor, which is great. The talent's yeah, great, yeah. really smart, really awesome. Uh, but the problem is that you could also get really smart, talented people in other parts of the world. And then the people we were, yeah. our clients were, they ended up leaving us, not because we did a bad job, but because... Um, they were like, we have another company that's able to give us the exact same results for 50% off. So we're just going to go with them. And these are huge companies that we thought would want yeah. like US-based labor just from like the, you know, understanding of the different regions and stuff like that, but they didn't care at all. So yeah. I'm curious, do you guys have like an, like something that just makes you super profitable on your side? Mm-hmm. Like something like that, that's working really well. I mean, if you're in Kansas city, I know the cost of a person, a, pers- a, a very talented person to work with you in Kansas city versus like Los Angeles is very different. So I don't know if that plays into it at all. I know my buddy, Jake Dorseth, he uh, is in Kansas city and he's like, show me pictures of his office and his office was like double the size of mine in LA. Yeah. But it yeah. costs like thousand dollars a month. Whereas oh, yeah, like yeah. $3,000 a month. So what yeah. do you guys, you guys ha- must have something else unless that's also just dead simple business practices, or maybe you guys have it yeah. there too, or. So did you outsource that talent? Like, was it outsourced? What, for me? Like, like, yeah, for like the lead generation people. Yeah, so we were doing it it all in the States, but now we've built a whole team out of the Philippines, which is what's helping us book meetings for like $50 a meeting and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So with us, we have everything in-house. That also helps. So with our employees, and so... Whenever I, probably a year, two or three, 
I, I looked at the business model of Ford and where you don't want to hire super talented people, right? Where the, the assembly line in McDonald's, where if someone's out for the day, can yeah. we just hand them a manual, read it real quick? Okay, this is what you have to do. And so right. it's more of the assembly line to where we can get people that aren't necessarily massively talented. You know, they can be very, very talented and, and very smart, but not like they can build out because creative is this, what we're getting paid for. It's not really the implementation, right? And so being creative is hard and being creative and thinking of new solutions and problems is hard. But if we can build an assembly line style, right? And, and say, hey, this is your job. And if that person leaves or if that person's sick for the day, we're, our whole assembly line isn't going isn't gonna to break down, right? Yeah. And so being an... an type of almost an engineer of you know could always say i'm chief engineer officer because you have to look at it you'll go go above and say you know if it's an engine and let's say you know the sales are slow well, that's part of like the fuel injector right it's a sale then that's how you just need to fix that aspect of it and if you've got um you know clients leaving an oil leak then you fix that aspect of it but looking from top down building a system and uh being able to do that is really the way we've become what we've been. Yeah. I love to hear that. And what would you say for, for you guys right now? I mean, what's the, uh, what is the goal for this year? I mean, this upcoming year, 2022, what's the, what's the goal, the next goal for the company? I think it's, you'll probably try to hit the 12, maybe, you know, right now I'm more focused in making sure that we're bringing on the best people uh, yeah. is really my biggest aspect. And, 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 you know, when you're looking at what's your goal, I've mm -hmm. always figured if it's, if I said like a monetary, like say, Oh, I want to hit 15 million that sort of, and that might just be my brain. Right. But mm -hmm. that clouds my judgment to say, okay, what I really want to do is make sure that our client churn is from seven to eight. How can we do that? Right. And so it's like the lead versus lag measures. And so the lead measures are, if you, you get 10 appointments, two of them are closing, don't look at the lag, look at the lead. And so that's what I'll look at and say, okay, if we want to get to this number, what are the lead measures that can get us there? Finding good talent. Now that's going to be more for the executive side of things. That's not necessarily for the, what I was talking about earlier with the assembly line, but that's really my goal is to find, again, amazing people that can do creative tasks, then that can help us achieve uh, my goal. I love it. That's fantastic, man. I mean, it's it's really cool. And I guess one of the last questions I'll ask before getting into that the sort of lightning round we have at the end, just a few lightning questions we asked to just get everyone on the same page, is uh, that period between going from two million to I'm just gonna say eight. I don't know the exact yeah. number, but eight. I mean, what did that look like year by year? So you got year four. Was that? Mm -hmm. Would you go from like two to four or what was that kind of growth rate? So, yeah, I'd say it's probably two to four and then mm -hmm. four to six. You know, you, if it was really a compounding, you know, it'd go from, it, it, it's a compound, but as I say, you know, we can always be better because if it was really compounded, mm -hmm. be, you know, two to four to four to eight, eight to six, you know, but still very, very proud of the whole team. Still very proud of, everything we've been able to accomplish for, for yeah. 
Well, I mean, it is interesting. One of the biggest agencies I've interviewed on the show is called Abstract Management. And Scott, yeah. well, he's been like a good mentor of mine. And uh, he said that his, he's had his company for 20 years. They do $54 million per year in revenue right wow. now. And uh, he is basically, he basically said his average, he's just been super consistent. His average growth rate's been 30% per year forever. Yeah. And it's interesting to see like the growth rate for you because you know, it looks like you, it's like peaks and valleys, right? Because you yeah. got that peak where you were doing hundred percent growth for a few years and then it's kind of like leveling up. But now I'm sure you got, you got these books out. That's probably going to blast you to like 12 million yeah. plus, you know? So it's like, you get all these peaks and valleys and it seems like, I feel like the best entrepreneurs when they feel as if they're going through a, a valley, they, you know, adjust accordingly yeah and it sounds like that's what you're doing i mean i see you have a podcast that you're you're doing too so if i'm not mistaken mm -hmm. it sounds like if i had to sum up your next strategy is it is it is it more like uh building a brand building a community getting yourself out there that way i mean is that the move with the book and everything you know with the new age and and really i mean this has been something that's probably the last 10 years that people don't want to deal really more with the corporate IBM type of feel, right? They want to know the founder. They want to know his story and they want to be like, why are you in the business? You know, you were helping your grandparents. Like you really, people want to know that you're the expert. People want to deal with the expert. And so that's why I wrote the books and really am getting more involved in the personal branding of things. And so that really is the next step. And and, you know, just, I'm sure, you know, as well, you have so much information in your mind where you could write two or three books just on the stuff, you know, you know what I mean? And so, you know, tools these days like Grammarly and, and uh, you know, it's just really easy to type up a book, edit Grammarly, hand it to your friend, you know, yeah. say, hey, what do you think, you know, read through. And I had one of my best friends, Bradley Wright. Uh, yeah. I mean, we talked a lot about in this podcast, like numbers, but I think one thing that is glaringly obvious is that you must have some sort of motivation from somewhere to to do yeah. this i mean wh wh where does it come from i mean do you have a a, a a reason to be doing this in college i mean actually same thing with me like i, I didn't start at 20 uh, at 18 i started yeah. at 22 but i was very motivated from an early age to get going on this shit what was your motivation what is your motivation like why are you doing this <laughs> yeah 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 so i wasn't I was the type of guy or kid that wasn't necessarily amazing in school, right? You know, in high school, I more focused on girls, sports than academics, right? And so I think that, you know, I'm obsessed with, I love learning, I love reading business books. And so I think there's a massive difference between education and the traditional sense, and then in, oh, loving to learn and, and knowing knowledge is going to help you grow. And I think with school, I think it's very, it's almost, especially with college, it's just a waste of time, in my opinion. Now, if you want to be a doctor, <laughs> a lawyer, you go to school, but if you want to be an entrepreneur or start, you know, there's no reason that you need to go to college, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, if you don't agree with that, if anyone is listening, it's completely fine. I respect your opinion. But for us, your college wasn't necessary. And so I think it was more family, of course, make your family proud. But really, I think motivation definitely is, is a word that I don't know if motivation is the right thing, but getting, because you'll run out of motivation. If you keep going, going, it's more the habits that you implement and seeing business as a game. I think those are the two things that really have helped me where 
if you build your habits around things that'll help you grow as a person, like rather than getting up and, you know, watching TV, I get up and read a book. That's one habit that's helped me really grow. And rather than checking social media, you know, sending email to a client, checking in. So I think that building your habits around things that will help your business grow and you grow as a person was very important. So motivation, you know, their family's big, but um, building habits and seeing it as a game and just having fun, like honestly, just take a breath and have some fun with it because <laughs> life is very short. I love it. And you're not that much older than 20, but what's, I ask everybody, what's one thing you wish you knew when you were 20? Yeah, I could, again, I could talk for six hours about this one here, but uh, <laughs> um, I think the biggest thing is that you're going to fail and that's okay. And I think that that's very a cliche to say, I mean, you know what I mean? But I think when you have your first person leave as a client, I mean, that's a heartbreaker or when you're, you do something and it didn't work out just as well as you think it would be just because you failed. I mean, you're a failure. Again, it's a good sign. If you're do something that doesn't work. Okay. Let's move on. You know, but, but being uh, you only fail if you quit. Right. And so I think that's the biggest thing that I see that new business owners and, and they're like, Oh, you know, I tried this and it didn't work. It's like, okay, let's move on. You know, let's yeah. do something else. You know, so just not laying down and throwing up and, I love it. And what, what, any good business book recommendations? I mean, other than your own? Yeah. You know, you've got the traction that was more of like the systematizing your business. My girlfriend's always yelling at me. I quit buying damn books. I've got this whole bookshelf. I, um, <laughs> you know, you've got, you've got like not necessarily business books, but classics like think and grow rich. That's also amazing. The science of getting rich also amazing. That's where I got the, the, adding more value to the world, you know, reaping rewards. But, you know, those are the two big ones that would help me. And then, you know, you've got so many options like Udemy that you can learn anything in the world, like from amazing teachers. And so if books aren't your thing, you will know, say, hey, I'll talk to people say, hey, you know, why don't you read a book on it? And you'll, you know, oh, I don't like reading. Okay, well, there's Udemy, right? There's online right. courses that you can learn anything on, so. How would you 10x your business in 12 months if you had to go from 8 million to 80 million? You know, that's again, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I guess 10x the operations I've got now. Just do yeah. whatever I'm doing, 10x it. But I've been, you know, and I'm, I don't know if I'd have to take out capital or a loan or anything like that, but that's, that's how I do it. Write, write 10 more books. <laughs> I love that, man. Well, thank you so much uh, for yeah, being here. Thank you. Is there anything that, you know, the audience can, you know, do to reach out to you or any offer you have for the audience that, that might be helpful for them? Yeah. If you guys either, you can text me. So my number is 816-708-0814. I can send you one of my books or really anything that you'll need if you've got questions. Came ill prepared on my ending offer, but you guys want my books, I can send it to you. But if you've got any questions, you can text that number as well. Any questions you have. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Everybody definitely bookmark this one and re-listen to it over and over again because I know that's what I'm be doing. Yeah. You know, Cooper sounds like he's been an amazing business over the last seven years. It's just a great testament to the uh, idea that if you stick to something, for yep. long enough and you're good at it as well which i you know i, I do believe cooper's one oh, of the best it sounds like 
you know, you'll hit some great, great numbers in your agency. So uh, thank yeah. you so much, Cooper, for being on the show. And uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you.